What are the things that you really treasure? Is it memories? Is it moments? Is it people? Is it relationships? This is one of the things that I treasure most, and it's not really got much to do with the teddy bear. It's much more about the thing that the teddy bear reminds me of, because this teddy bear reminds me of the relationships I have with some of the closest people I have in my life, because this teddy bear was built at one of my kids' birthday parties when they were very little many years ago. Now, we took one of our children and uh, their friends to the Build-A-Bear workshop. If you've never been to Build-A-Bear workshop, Workshop, you are missing out on one of life's great experiences. You go and you make your teddy bear from scratch and you choose the clothes you want to dress them in and all of that kind of stuff. You can see we all made teddy bears at that party, including the adults. And this is my England rugby teddy bear that I made. And it reminds me of that birthday party. It reminds me of my kids. It reminds me of my family. And therefore, it's one of the most precious memories I have. You know, my precious memories, and I'm sure this is true for you too, my precious memories are not really to do with the possessions that I have or whatever that uh, might be materially. My precious memories are about the time I've spent with people. And I'm willing to bet that the things you treasure most have little to do with your career or your expensive material possessions and much more to do with people or moments or a great view or a really special evening. Often those things are really pretty simple, but they have all, I'm willing to guarantee, they have all involved dedicated time. Now, how many times have many of us dreamt of a simpler life or having the time and the space and the breathing room to enjoy more of those precious kinds of moments? And how many of us can truly say that our schedules or our calendars or our time are lined up with our values? Maybe over these last few months, life has felt busier than ever for you. Maybe you're one of those kind of lockdown people where life has been even busier than it was before COVID. The lockdown restrictions have meant for you that you've had to work harder or homeschool or do more. In a weird way, your calendar looks fuller or busier than it ever has done before. Your time is taken up in ways it never was before. But is it busy with the things that really matter to you? Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe these last few months have been incredibly boring. You've been furloughed or worse, been out of work. Or maybe you're retired and you haven't been able to see friends and family and do those things that you used to enjoy doing. And maybe you're struggling for motivation and every day just looks and feels the same. Well, we've been talking throughout this series about building a healthier life by building healthier rhythms whether we're busier than ever before or bored in ways we've never been before. These healthy rhythms are suitable for all of us and important for all of us. And as we bring this series to a close today, I want to talk about the keys to a simpler life because simplicity is the doorway to these healthy rhythms we've been talking about. And if you stick with me today, by the end of this talk, I'm going to have suggested two ways that you can build a simpler life, two keys, two tools to a simpler life. But what is a simple life? Well, Joshua Becker defines simplicity like this, and I really like this, the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. Let's just say that again. The intentional, the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. I love that. 
And when I imagine a life where I'm intentionally pursuing the things I most value and trying to avoid the things that distract me from them, it makes me smile, the thought of that. It motivates and inspires me. Now, which of these things do you think God wants for you? And if you're not a believer in God, that's fine. Just go with us for a moment. If there is a God, which of you, these things do you think God would want for you? That you would have a full diary or a heart full of joy and love? That you would have more money or more precious moments? That you would have more material treasure or more of the things you really treasure? More things or more of the things that are really important? Which do you think God would want for you? Now, all through this series, we've been saying that in Jesus, we can see someone who modeled these kind of healthy rhythms, someone whose values lined up with his schedule and with the time that he spent investing in things and investing in people. And you don't have to be a Christian to learn from Jesus patterns for healthy rhythms. All of this stuff is applicable to all of us, whether we're a Christian or not, whether we're a believer in God or not, whether we're a follower of Jesus or not. However, if you are a Christian, we've been saying that it's not enough simply to try to do what Jesus taught us to do. It's not enough to do that. We need to live as Jesus lived. Now, one of Jesus's first apprentices was a guy called Matthew, and he wrote down an account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And that account includes a sermon Jesus preached to crowds of people that we now know as the Sermon on the Mount. In that sermon, Jesus includes loads of wisdom and guidance and commands for living with God as the priority in your life and living as though God wants those things for you that are best for you. And in one of the sections of that sermon, Jesus talks about orientating your life around what is really important, what you really value and what God would really value for you. He begins that section by talking about what should be of the highest value in our lives. And that section can be found in Matthew's account of Jesus's life, chapter six, which is in the New Testament part of the Bible. And you can follow along here on the screen or you can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app with a live event that's on that app right now for Andover Baptist Church. Or you can follow along if you've got a Bible and you open it to Matthew chapter six. However you want to do that, that's just great. But here is what Jesus is saying. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. What that means is don't put all your hope in the things that the world offers, material things. There are other things that should be valued more highly. Well, why? Why shouldn't we put our hope in these kind of material treasures, the treasures that are around on earth? Well, I don't think it's got anything to do with God being anti the world or anti money or anti stuff. I don't think God is anti those things at all. But Jesus is saying, don't make those things the source of your hope. Why? Well, because those things are temporary. They can be taken from us, stolen from us. That's where we get this, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Jesus is saying, because those things are temporary. They can be taken away. Instead, Jesus says, store up something different. Here's what he says in verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
Jesus is saying there is a different kind of treasure, a different set of things to value. And here Jesus is presenting us a contrast of values. Treasures on earth or treasures in heaven or the treasures of heaven. Treasures that are temporary versus treasures that last. And those lasting treasures, heavenly treasures, can't be destroyed or stolen. And God values heavenly treasures more than earthly ones. And why is that? Well, we read on to find out. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Because where your treasure is, is where your heart is. And that's why God values heavenly treasures more than earthly treasures. You see, the heart represents the core of a person's being, the inner person, the source of a person's spiritual life and emotional health. As goes your heart, so goes your life. And if you want to unpack that a little bit more, last year on the 26th of April, last year, 2020, we did a a talk all about the condition of our hearts. And you can go and find that on our YouTube channel or on our podcasts. I'm not going to say much more about that now, but as goes your heart, so goes your life. And Jesus is saying that what we place as the highest value in our lives is a gauge on the condition of our hearts. Then Jesus moves on to a different part of the body. He says this in verse 22 and 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I love this phrase, the eye is the lamp of the body. See, there was a really close connection between the heart and the eye in Jewish literature. In Jesus' day, if people said you had a healthy eye, it had a double meaning. Firstly, it meant that you were focused and living with a high degree of purpose and intentionality. Secondly, it meant that you were generous to the poor. When you looked out at the world, you saw those in need and did your best to care and to help. And an unhealthy eye in Jewish literature was exactly the opposite. When you looked out of the world with an unhealthy eye, you were distracted by what glittered and you lost your focus and your intentionality and what was really important. And you were not generous to those who were poor or in need. Jesus is saying here what the eye focuses on, on becomes the conduit for what fills the heart. An unhealthy eye would ensure an unhealthy heart. A healthy eye was the conduit for good things to come into the heart. If our eyes are focused on something of value, that begins to fill our hearts with good things. If someone is generous, that isn't only an indicator of the condition of their hearts, but it fills their hearts too. And did you know that generosity isn't only good for the people we are being generous to, it's good for us too. One of the presents I was given last Christmas was this book called The Book of Joy, which is a documentation of a conversation between Archbishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And it's absolutely fascinating and I have loved it. And it contains a whole section on generosity and how good generosity is for us. And in it, it says this, and I'm quoting directly from the book. 
Generosity is so important in all of the world's religions because it no doubt expresses a fundamental aspect of our interdependence and our need for one another. Generosity was so important for our survival that the reward centers of our brain light up as strongly when we give as when we receive, sometimes even more so. Richard Davidson and his colleagues have identified that generosity is one of the four fundamental brain circuits that map with long-term well-being. In the 2015 World Happiness Report, Davidson and Brianna Schuller explained that one of the strongest predictors of, of well-being worldwide is the quality of our relationships. Generous pro-social behavior seems to strengthen these relationships across cultures. Generosity is even associated with better health and longer life expectancy. Over and over again, scientific research is showing that generosity is not only good for the people that we're being generous to, but it's good for us too. It fills us. It gives us longer life and better health. See, if the eye is good and healthy, it allows light into the body, good things into the heart. And it's good for us as well as good for other people. Now, Jesus builds on this theme when he goes on in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying here, divided loyalties lead to trouble. Losing focus, losing a healthy eye on the things that really matter, are really important, are really of value, is bad news. Allowing busyness or striving or worry or anxiety to distract you from the things that are really important leads to problems. It goes on in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Notice in these last two verses how Jesus has connected money and stuff to worry. That's because so often the desire for more money or more stuff is the driver for worry, anxiety, busyness, hurry, and more. As Alan Fadling said in his book, An Unhurried Life, the drive to possess is an engine for hurry. And this word worry that Jesus uses here conveys an intense feeling of concern or anxiety. It's not a lack of care. Care and concern when directed in the right way is absolutely good. But intense feelings, that's what Jesus is saying here, intense feelings of concern or anxiety directed at the wrong things opens us up to filling our eyes and our hearts with things that are of no value and that ruin our heavenly treasure, the things that God would want for us. You know, if we're to find the keys to a simpler life, we need to discover the things that God wants for us. God would want us to have a heart full of joy and love, not a full diary. He would want us to have more precious moments rather than more money. He would want us to have more of the things we really treasure and a heavenly treasure more than he would want us to have material treasure. And God would want us to have more of the things that are really important rather than more things. And we discover those things when we focus on the things that really matter when we focus on heavenly treasures that outlast everything, when we ensure our heart is full of the things that truly make us content, when our focus is on the things that really matter, when we are generous with our time and our resources. Well, how do we do it? 
how do we ensure we're focused on the right things? Well, here are the two tools I promised you. One is the simplicity of aligning our values with our schedules and our time, and the other is slowing down. Remember that Joshua Becker said the definition of simplicity is this, the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from them. That makes so much sense. Promoting the things in our lives we value most and removing the things that would distract us from them. So if we're to simplify things, if we're to align our schedules with our values, we first of all have to work out what do we value most? Do you know? Have you ever taken the time to think about that, to write them down? It's a great thing to do. If God, Jesus, your faith are the most important things, the things of highest value to you, how are you prioritizing them? Are they the first thing in your schedule? Are they the first thing you think about spending your time on? Is God the first person you talk to when you wake up and the last person you speak to before you go to sleep? Or is your phone or your social media feed the thing? If God in your faith is the priority in your life, why not ensure you spend time with God before you switch on your phone in the morning? And how are you ensuring that those things that grow your faith, that draw you closer to God, are a priority in your calendar? If family and friends and relationships with those people are high up on your list of values, how are you prioritizing them? If it's studies or learning or health or fitness, how are you prioritizing them? And what would distract you from those things that you value? Too many box set episodes, too many hours on social media, working too many hours. How can you begin to deliberately start removing those distractions? You see, we achieve real peace when our schedules are aligned with our values. And I think there's much to be said for that. And I think that's exactly what Jesus did. He used his values to determine what he did. That's why he took time out to rest and refresh, time spent with his heavenly father. That's why he didn't do everything everyone wanted him to. That's why he said no sometimes. You know, I'm sure you're like me. I notice in my life that the times I get stressed or feel burned out or anxious are the times when my schedule feels out of control and out of sync with what I want to be doing or know I should be doing. The times when I feel like I don't have the time for my daily devotion and quiet time. The times when I feel like I don't have time for my daily run or when I feel like I haven't spent quality time with my wife or my kids. So the first tool is this, understanding what we really value and then removing the things that would distract us from them. The second tool is intentionally slowing down. We can't build these great things into our lives in a hurry. We said that in the first week, we have to slow down and we are probably going to have to plan to slow down. If you're like me, you're going to have to plan to try to slow down. People here on our team at the church tease me all the time about how I like to have a plan and a schedule and a routine. I do it with our staff meetings, with regular content for our live stream. Sometimes my family get frustrated with me because I like to have a plan. I like to plan holidays and activities and events. And I get that that can sometimes be really irritating. And I'm really happy to laugh at myself about it. And I'm not judging anyone who lives in a different way. But having said that, I will say this. I have noticed that people who don't plan anything, people who don't schedule anything, people who don't stop to think things through, sometimes often live in a way that is reactive, not proactive, that is chaotic rather than intentional. And they are consumers rather than creators. 
There's an ancient spiritual discipline called slowing. John Ortberg defines it like this, cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. Slowing down our lives, our schedules, our bodies, gives us space to think, to reflect, to experience God and to experience love. So I think those two tools are the keys to a simpler life, working out what we value and aligning our lives with those values and slowing down intentionally. It's going to take some work, some planning, some thought, some time, but it will be so worth it. Imagine yourself on the other side of all of this. How amazing would that be? Imagine having healthy rhythms that lead to a healthy life. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for giving us Jesus, who modeled for us what it looks like to live a life that is healthy, that has healthy rhythms to it. Thank you that he showed us what it's like to live a life where our values are lined up with our time and our schedules. Help us not simply to try to do what Jesus did, but to live as he lived, to truly follow in his footsteps, to truly be his apprentice. Give us the courage and the boldness, we pray, to intentionally work out what we value and align our time and our schedules with those values, to intentionally slow down and create space for you to breathe life into us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.